Welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 21. I am your host, Chris Ramirez. Thank you for joining me again. Beautiful whatever day is. What is this? It's Wednesday. Oh, it's Wednesday. All right. Hope you're all staying safe. Hope you're continuing to social distance as slowly the world opens up. Reality is coming back. Hopefully, hopefully soon. I'm, I really do. But um, in the news of hockey, that's right. Remember that sport that was played on ice? Remember that thing we used to do where we would like we would put on these like shoes kind of, but they had like a blade under it. And then you would, you know, it's, it's like a quarter inch thick. And then you would go on this surface that is very slippery. And they give you this little thing of rubber. And the goal is to put it in these nets, one at each side. Yeah, that thing. Um, it's slowly, slowly coming back. So phase two of the NHL's return to play is coming. Actually, it's probably started. A lot of teams were instructed that they could open their practice facilities. It's a voluntary for players. And I think if I read correctly, you can have up to six players attend. So obviously, that's not like it's it's not much. It's a start. Right. Let's get that straight, though. It's a start. It's something that people can slowly do, and you know we can slowly get back to some kind of reality. Um, the Montreal Canadiens opened up their practice facility to four players, so that's that's intriguing. That's awesome. And like I said, it's it's coming back slowly. So they opened it up on the 15th, which was Monday. Monday was for testing. Players had to get tested, make sure that they have no coronavirus, and then training camps, quote unquote. Open on the 16th. Four Montreal Canadiens players took part in it. Paul Byron, Jonathan Drouin, Charles Houdon, and Michael McNevin. So obviously those four players are living in the Montreal area, I guess, if they can return. And the reason, I guess, why it's voluntary as well is, right, there are some players who are still concerned about how this is going to come back. And I think I've, like, I've gone back and forth here. At first I was like, man, I really, you know, I think Hawks going to come back. And I was like, oh, I don't really think so now i'm like oh wait a minute they have a plan to come back and now i'm like oh but what happened like it's so back and forth i can't imagine what it must be like for the players or for the league trying to figure this out right and i was reading i think it was on twitter somebody tweeted that sean couturier had an excellent question right and the question was what happens if you restart let's say you restart everything playoff starts and what happens if one of those players test positive then how does, you know, what happens during the playoffs? Do you A, then test all the players, right? B, at, I, mean, I, I assume they would, right? I'm just going to go on a limb here and say they would. B, at that point, like, that player's got to self-quarantine for 14 days, right? So does the team basically lose that star player, not due to injury, but due to 14 days? Like, how does he, what can he do? Can he work out, go to a training facility? Probably not. So then he's away for two weeks, then he's got to come back, like, that was a that was a good question that Katuria asked, and that's part of like this whole process of returning to play is like every time I ask one question and then I I think I answer it, that answer gives me two other questions, right? Like, can you imagine Stanley Cup Finals? I don't know. Let's say I don't know. Let's, Pittsburgh is there, Vegas is there. Throwing any two teams out there, okay? Can you imagine getting to that point? Let's say you're Pittsburgh, and for the Eastern Conference Final and the Stanley Cup Finals, almost like you have to lose, let's say Sidney Crosby due to coronavirus. Like, what are the odds that you'll a win? And like, how do you think this team's going to push super hard for him to come back before 14 days? This is this is a tough situation for the league to handle. I think they're doing what they you know they're doing the best with what they have, and that's all you can really ask for at this point. There's nothing else that can be done here about how to go because we don't know how it is and yes there are some you know leagues that have started every, you know in other countries right Bundesliga has come back right Japan's uh, is it no not Japan I think it's Korea I think it's a Korean baseball league yeah so th there are leagues that are doing it but there are leagues as well that have gone where the cases have gone down if you look at the United States um, <laughs> without, yeah if you look at the United States like coronavirus cases are going way up. You have some states, I think it was Texas, uh, Florida. I think there was a couple of other ones as well. Right, states that have opened up relatively quickly, they have a surge in coronavirus cases. So, like, how does how does it go about? Let's say for players who live in the Dallas area, right? If Texas sees their coronavirus case go up, what about you know Tampa Bay, Florida, and the Florida Panthers? Well, I mean, 
let's forget the Florida Panthers. They didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> but what about Tampa, right? Like, how does it work for all these? Like, I just, I find it hard, right? The Canadian government and the U.S. government have agreed they're going to keep the border closed. So, like, you know, I'm assuming there's a clause in there that allows, you know, players to at least travel, right, across the board once for their job, right? If you think about it, NHL players have a job. It's to play hockey. But so far, as if I was a betting man again and I had to put some more money on this, let's say as of what I know now, I would probably skate. Like the league is trying and they're going to push really hard. Now, how many players, I'm interested to see how many players say I'm not going to participate. And you know there are players who may say, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I don't like that. Like uh, they don't like what's going on. Or they don't feel safe, and this is this is this is a genuine thing that players are going to ask. I'm sure the NHLPA has had a ton of questions about this. Player reps the same thing. Like if you can't do this without keeping players safe, because players are players. Like people think that they're just you know they're players and that's it, and they're you know disposable and whatnot. But these let's not forget these players have families, right? Will some of them bring their families with them? I don't think so which means they got to be away from their family. But let's say they want to. Let's say they do want to bring their family. Like, how do you go about that at that point? Like, what happens if one of these players gets sick? How do these, how does their, you know, significant other feel about this? What if they have children? This, it's, it's really, really complicated. And I think I've, like, I've, <laughs> I've said this a lot. Like, I definitely want hockey to come back. I miss it. But this is far and just just the opening up of the training camp like it's it felt good it felt good to have some hockey news about something happening in itself right and then yesterday depending on when you listen to this today's wednesday so tuesday right side swiping here a little bit um the buffalo sabers announced that uh, they were firing uh, you know their gm or whatnot and honestly it's kind of hard to keep track um, in Buffalo about what's going on here. Um, but the Buffalo Sabres are just an absolute mess. And when I think of a mess, I'm starting to feel like like this this franchise seems to be doomed. And as much as I want them to do well, right? I do. Buffalo deserves to have a decent team. But since Terry Pagula has taken over, like this team has gone through a mass, they've gone through a ton of head coaches. They've gone through GMs. I think if you just listen to Jack Eichel talk, you understand that he is annoyed. I think he's annoyed with losing. And you never want... You, how can I say this? You never want your top player to be annoyed. And he look, Eichel is good, right? Kind of just Buffalo's kind of just burning his talent now because that team can't stay competitive, right? Rasmus Dalin on the blue line is going to become, I think, an elite defenseman. Or at least that's what he's pegging. He's still young. He's still learning, right? But I mean. It's tough. This this organization, right? So yesterday, here's what the Buffalo Sabres did yesterday. They fired their GM. They fired the two assistant GMs. They fired a whole bunch of people in Rochester, right, with with the AHL, GM, head coach, everything, scouting directors, assistant directors, 12 different scouts. Like, they're just like, Buffalo has been cleaning house here. And they keep, they keep adding. And it's just... It's like nothing's working for this organization. And it sucks because they have a stud up front. They have a stud on the blue line. They have a decent core of players, right? They do. I think their their goaltending maybe is a little bit questionable, but that's, you know, and their defense is still getting there. Okay, their offense is, I mean, it is what it is, right? Everybody's looking at Jeff Skinner going, wow, that contract is terrible. Yeah, contracts, I mean, it's good chance it ages poorly, but... You know, Jeff Skidder was scoring a whole bunch of goals in Carolina, playing on the third line and not getting any power play minutes. So I don't understand how all of a sudden he shows up to Buffalo. Buffalo should be giving him every single ounce of ice possible. You got Eichel and Reinhardt. They're the only two. They play together. And that's all you can get. And this team also, they have a ton of cap space, right? I know they have a ton of cap space. 
so they could poss possibly do something. And for whatever reason, this and it's not like the East, mind you, okay? The Atlantic Division is garbage. It's pure garbage, okay? The Habs made the playoffs with a record that, I mean, whew, right? Their division is just, it's trash. Detroit's in it. So by default, in the Atlantic Division, there are not eight teams. There are seven because Detroit is in it, okay? You got Ottawa, right? You got Buffalo, Montreal, the Panthers. So outside of Boston, Tampa Bay, and I'll throw Toronto in there, and they're like on the cusp of it. Like those are three really good teams there. Three really good ones. Then the rest of that is up to grabs. So Buffalo can make the playoffs as a wild card just by I mean, somewhat existing, which is not the case. It's not like they're in a division like the Metropolitan where literally every single team in that Division can make the playoffs. They did almost. And in and, and the return to play 24, the only team that did not make it was New Jersey. <laughs> the Rangers, the Islanders, the Jackets, the Hurricanes, the Penguins, the Flyers, and the Capitals all made the quote-unquote playoffs. <laughs> I mean, it's... I don't know, man. I, I wish... Not I wish. I hope that Buffalo can return to the greatness that they once had. Because they have some pieces... Are they missing some? Yes, but you need stability from the top down. So your ownership. And look, I mean, is Terry Pagula a terrible owner? I don't think so. You know, is he a piece of shit? Well, I think so, right? I mean, he was one that wasn't really sure if he was going to pay his, you know, the arena staff during the pandemic. So, I mean... It just sucks for this organization. It sucks if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan right now and you don't know what to do. But hey, the good news is you can sit back and maybe watch hockey when everything maybe returns to play. And You know, next year you can go through the same emotions again and again and again and every day until the end of time, right? That's what that's what can happen. But again, um, yeah, it's just good luck. Good luck, Buffalo Sabres. Good luck, Buffalo Sabres. Um, the main part that I want to talk about on the podcast today, um, does it, it does have to do with sports, and it doesn't have to do with sports. So we're going to talk about everything that's going on right now in the United States and around the world in terms of racism and in terms of Black Lives Matter and why that's important. And if you don't want to hear this part or you're like, man, Chris... I didn't like I wanted to come here and not have to listen to this man like you can stop as of this point and not go forward you can listen to the first 13 minutes of the podcast and call it a day for you if you do want to listen to the rest by all means stick around and it's okay if you don't look that's fine I'm not going to disagree with your opinion on how you feel I'm not going to sit there and say look man you have to listen to this you should though you should listen to it right because the beauty of the people who are going to just turn this off right now is you have the ability to not hear something you don't want to hear this you just turn it off move on to something else and be like fuck it that's it i'm done with this podcast but imagine if you're an african-american who has to deal with racism every day you can't turn that off they cannot just say well you know what i don't want to listen to jim's racism today i'm just gonna turn it. you can't you can't turn it off you cannot turn racism off so i encourage you to stick around and listen to at least my perspective of it and you can disagree with it, you can agree with it, you can have a different opinion than me, and that's fine. I am not here to tell you your opinion is wrong. I will suggest that you maybe change it, <laughs> but I won't tell you your opinion is wrong, even if it's close to being absolutely wrong. Like, if you're one of those people who believes that all lives matter, you just walk around yelling that. Like, that is true. All lives do matter, right? But right now, what's important is that there is an alarming amount of African-American men and women who are dying when they encounter police. Too high of a number, okay? And when, there's, when, when, when it's too high of a number like that, like something's not right. And do all lives matter? Absolutely. Everybody's life matters, right? Everybody's does. Your life, my life, the guy next door, Brad Marchand, all those lives matter, okay? But 
Oh, right now, like I said, there's a large majority of African-American lives that are being lost. And they're tired of it, man. That's what's happened now. They have got tired of it. And people, white people specifically, right? We live in privilege, okay? We have a lot of it. I know I am privileged as a white Canadian as well. I know just how privileged I am. And I'm going to tell you the moment I realized just how privileged I was. It's going to sound stupid. Last year, yeah, last year around time of March, I went down to Philadelphia. Great city, by the way. If you've never been, you should go. Great city. I went to go watch with a buddy, uh, have some flyers. The night before, okay, we're leaving, okay? I'm going to meet him down there. I get all my stuff. I got my luggage packed. I grab my passport. I open my passport, and I realize my passport is expired. It expired in January. And now I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> like, I'm like, holy shit, like, granted, it's it's March now where I'm going, so it's not expired by much, but it's still expired. My official document that allows me to travel to another country is expired the night before I have to leave, and I am freaking out right now. Like, I am, I'm like, oh my God, like, I have gone through, I went through so many Google searches just to be like, can you cross the U.S. border from Canada with an expired passport. And the never by the way, if you've never done that, don't do that, okay? Cuz that is that's not a good rabbit hole to go down cuz all you get is maybe. And every single site is different. And it clearly says that you could get to the border and they can turn you away because well, you have an expired passport. So I'm like, look, I got every single piece of ID that the government has ever sent me possible. Birth certificate, uh, right? Health card, Medicare card here, driver's license. I mean, Everything, every document, if it had my name on it, if it was on the website of things I could bring, I brought it. And then I chucked out to the border, right? I don't live far from the border. I was about, I I live what, about an hour away from the New York border. So I was like, look, I'm going to go early because it's said on the website, they could, you know, ask you to, you know, drive aside, wait as they check. I'm like, fine, that's fine. I left was like 2 a.m. I had to be in Philly by like three, four o'clock so I could check it to my Airbnb. I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll leave early because I'm expecting to get there and wait. So I'm leaving like 10 hours in advance where I don't need to. But anyways, I get to there and I get to the right the border guy and I give him my passport. And I, I, I was straight up with him because if there's one thing I hate and I've told people this, I am terrified of crossing the border. I hate I feel like a criminal and I haven't even done anything wrong. I don't cross the border with anything. I don't like water, nothing. I will wait. Like if so, if you've crossed the border where I'm talking about the Lacolle border in Quebec, right? You cross, and then like the first exit, there's like there's a gas, there's like a couple of gas stations, there's a McDonald's and stuff. Like that's where I'll stop and I'll get anything that I want, right? I'll get a coffee or whatnot. That's where I buy. But I bring no food, nothing with me before, because I don't like. I once crossed the border with six bagels that I told the agent. <laughs> He's like, you got anything to declare? I was like, six bagels, bro. <laughs> and he just laughed. He's like, it's fine, go. But I'm like, I'm terrified. I'm terrified. So anyways, I get here. I give him my passport and I say, here. And I'm like, by the way, sir, I have a problem. And he looks at me and says, what's your problem? And I said, my passport expired in January. Here's where I'm going. I forgot. He takes a passport and he says, okay, well, where are you going? Is this your car? Yes, it's fine. How long are you going for? I'll be back in three days. And he says, okay, here, have a good trip. And I was like, what? Like I grabbed my passport. I was like, thank you. And then I just drove. So I was like, I don't want him to change his mind about what just happened. He looked at it. Now I've crossed the border before. So maybe he scans and says, okay, fine. This kid doesn't look like he's dangerous or anything. Maybe he saw maybe the massive amount of sweat coming down my you know, side of my face on like a, you know, late March where it's not even that hot yet. He just gives it to me and he just lets me go. Now, some people are saying, yeah, but it doesn't matter. Let's picture this scenario differently. Okay. Let's assume I am African-American or I don't even have to be black. I, I, I can be anything. I'll, I'll you, you can be Asian. You can be, let's say, you know, you could be Muslim, right? And let's say my passport's not Canadian. Let's say it's from another country. British passport. Mexican passport. European passport. Whatever it was. If my passport was not Canadian, and if I was any other color but white, no chance that border officer lets me go. None. I'm, to this day, I, will, I, I would bet my life on it. If I was any other nationality or race, no chance he lets me through. 
or he at least pulls me aside to check, which is, is it racial profiling? Mm, yes, but yes. Like it's at that exact moment that I knew that I was lucky to be Canadian and white. Because even coming back, I came back to Canada three days later, get to the border, hand the lady my passport. She says, sir, your passport's expired. I said, yes, I'm aware. Yes, I'm aware. She says, and the border agent let you through. Well, I didn't jump. (laughs) I didn't take this car on my shoulder and put it over the edge here. So yeah, I said, yes, the border agent let me through. And she gave it back to me as in like a puzzled face. Like I was, I feel like she was like, yo, you should have never gotten through with this. And I mean, coming back to Canada, if you're coming back with an expired passport, they're probably going to let you in, right? Again, maybe she could have pulled me aside and said, okay, but I, I guess her thought process is, well, if, you know, the Americans let him in, we might as well take him back there. He doesn't seem dangerous. But again, at this moment, that's where I realized I was like, I am privileged to be white. I'm privileged to be Canadian. By by no, like I I haven't done anything to deserve those two things, but I am, and it's and it's a lot tougher right now for for African Americans to just just have basic things, and you have to not forget here, okay? Like racism, like it existed. You're, there's a good chance your grandparents, or at least your great grandparents were probably racist in some way. One of them, or by default, somebody they knew was racist. Like, racism has existed. You know that joke, you know, where you talk about your racist grandpa, grandma? Yeah, that's, like, that's what? Two generations back? Like, racism is still very predominant. And now we know that it's wrong. We know this. It is wrong, by the way, if you don't know it, okay? Like, it's wrong. Segregation existed, and it shouldn't have. And there's there are some people who are, they don't want that to go away. They don't like change. I don't like change. I don't like changing my shoes. But I do it because the impact's not that bad and it's better, right? And if I can take a moment now to better educate myself, to better understand myself, better understand what African-Americans have to deal with, I'm going to do it. Of course I'm going to listen. And that's what we should be striving to do as a society. Or at least that's what all these, you know, I follow the NHL players, all these NHL players when they post out their statements and stuff. Like, it was big, right? Because you have some players who don't actually tweet very much, right? They tweet a couple of things here and there. But for this one, again, they came out and they said things. And they, the message was the same. They all wanted to be better. And there are things that we can do as a society to make this better. A, I'm going to give a lot of credit to the current right current and former NHL players who created the Hockey Diversity Alliance, right? So Vander Kane has been speaking up a lot and as he should, right? So they've created this alliance, right? So Akima Lou is is and Evander Kane serve as the co-heads of this organization. And this includes as well um, Trevor Daly from the Red Wings, right? Matt Dumba from the Wild, Wayne Simmons of the Sabres, uh, Joel Ward, Chris Stewart are there as well. So there's this is an organization of players. And oh, by the way, Ryan Reeves part of this as well. Good story there, right? So if you don't know, obviously Ryan Reeves reached out to Patrick Kane, uh, Patrick Kane, Evander Kane, right? And said, hey, can I help you with this? And let's think about this for a minute. Unless you live under a rock and you have no idea. Like Evander Kane and Ryan Reeves, they don't like each other. And they've said it. They've said it. They've openly said it. They don't like each other, right? I mean, maybe you missed the San Jose Las Vegas playoff series. But like these two don't like each other. They don't send each other Christmas cards. They probably skip each other walking down the hallway. They, they, they genuinely don't like each other. But even for racism. They put that shit aside and said, hey, we can better our league. We can better our game. We can better people's lives. Let's work together. And that, that's just how powerful this entire movement is. And especially if you're like African-Americans talking up saying, hey, we don't want to be, you know, we think racism sucks. That's one thing. But we, if, if, if you're white and you're not saying anything, then by default, you are racist. 
if you're not saying shit during this period of time, or if you're not trying to at least better yourself in understanding, you're part of the problem. I don't care what you say. We may disagree on that. That's fine. You're entitled to your opinion, but you're wrong. Or your opinion needs to change. Because I see a lot of people saying, oh, well, you know, they can't, you know, or especially with all the looting going on. And I'm like, look, man, (laughs) they say, well, you can protest, but do it peacefully. What has Colin Kaepernick been doing for the last five years? And what happened to him when he was doing it peacefully? They said, well, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do it there. Do it peacefully, but not here because it offends me. That's not how protesting works, right? It's supposed to make you uncomfortable. White people can't just dictate and say, okay, well, you can do this, but do it here and do it at this time and do it away from this and don't do it there. No, that's not how this works. So now people are, obviously they're pissed off. And look, are there some people who are rioting and looting that are not part of this cause? 100%, okay? Don't get confused. Habs win one playoff series against the Bruins and all of a sudden they're burning shit in the city, okay? There are some people just like to cause havoc. You know the part in the Joker, right, in the Batman movie, right, the Dark Knight, right? Where Bruce is there and he says some people just want to watch the world burn when he's referring to the Joker. Some people just want to cause havoc and they're waiting. This is a good moment for them. So they burn shit. And they break stuff. Are some people part of the Black Lives Matter movement and looting? Yes. There are. But let's understand how fed up these people are. They're bringing attention to this. Are they doing it the right way? I don't know. But they're bringing attention to it. And they're saying, look, I've had enough. Kind of like kids. You know how kids, when they want something, sometimes they throw a, te- you know, a temper tantrum in the middle of the store when they want something so everybody focuses on them? Well, now, you know, black people have had enough. They've, they've had enough of being, you know, of dying for police encounters where you shouldn't die. And I get that police officers have a very tough job. I get that. They do. They have a very tough job. And they, it's not always easy. I'll give them that. It's not easy. And I think they need maybe a, a lot more support. But you can't have people dying for regular just traffic infractions, I want to call them. Just regular encounters with police. You can't. I never fear for my life when, the car pull, when a police officer pulls me over and asks me to see license registration. Never. I don't fear I'm going to die. Yet somehow African-Americans end up in situations where they die. And it's unfair. And again, we don't have to agree on this. I listen to the other side and I mean, I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I think it's delusional, but you're entitled to your opinion. And I'm not going to change it, by the way. I'm not going to change it. Just like if you're racist and you believe it, I'm not going to change it. I can't. A, I can't. I can sit there and yell at you all, all, all I want. But I can't force you to change. I can't force you to learn. So I'm not going to waste my time. Right? So I tell people, don't educate people who don't want to. Educate people who do. If you want to learn, somebody's willing to teach you. If you don't want to learn, look, they don't want to learn. And there needs to be, you know, there, there needs to be changes. Is the funding the police one? Probably. I don't think people understand what that means. Just like people don't understand why players kneeled in the first place. I don't think people understand why. It has nothing to do with the goddamn flag. It doesn't. It has nothing to do. But I will grant you this, man. Americans love Americans love their national anthem and they love that flag more than anything. That brings people together, all kinds of people. The American National Anthem brings people together in ways that I don't understand how it does, but it does. It's a beauty to watch sometimes. And I mean, shout out to shout out to NASCAR as well for banning the Confederate flag at their events. Same thing with the Confederate flag. That thing should basically not exist. And you listen to people try to support it. It's part of our heritage. 
It's part of our history. You're right. It is. That doesn't mean you need to display it all that time. <laughs> Especially people who stand up. For the, like, if you don't know what Confederacy is, A, you should probably Google it. Take a little history course here, right? I'm not going to give it to you all completely. But literally, like, those generals that are being, like, the statues and stuff that are being torn down of those generals, like, they, the, like the, the soldiers who are on the Confederacy side, like, they were, A, racist. Because that's what that flag stands for. It's in association with the KKK. So, I mean, by default, if you support the Confederate flag, you support the Klan. Like, they go hand in hand a little bit here, okay? They do. And secondly, like, the the Confederates were fighting against Americans. The South was fighting against. It was civil war. And they lost. So when I hear people talk about the heritage and how we have to celebrate this and keep it alive, I'm sitting there going, man, I've never seen so many people want to celebrate losing to that extent. <laughs> you want to name military bases and statues and it, like th th those statues of these generals who were racist and who fought with the Confederates. Like it, You're basically... Those statues for African-American people are just representations of a time where people wanted them to not exist or for them to be slaves. And my first time when I went to North Carolina, I went, I've been, what, three times? Been to Myrtle Beach a couple of times as well? Like, it was, it was shocking the first time. It was shocking the second time. And it was still shocking the third time. Just watching the, the openness of racism and just it's just it's just casual ignorance at this point and that's what this is right this is this is no different from how i understand people who don't believe in mental illness like it's just casual ignorance because it's a lack of education that's what it is this conf the confederate flag does not it doesn't bring anything more it celebrates losing okay it's kind of funny because in, right in, in quebec when they celebrate there's a holiday coming up here soon Right, the twenty fourth of June is called Saint Jean Baptiste, and a lot of times they like to celebrate with the Battle on the Plains of Abraham. Right, so in Quebec City they reenact the Battle of the Plains of Abraham. If you don't know what the battle was, it's basically the French are here, the English come, and they ambush the French and they kill them all. It was it was a slaughter. It was a slaughter. <laughs> the Battle on the Plains of Abraham was a slaughtering of the French by the English, which. Still to this day, there are people who do not like English people for that reason. But anyways, and I laugh when they reenact it because you're like, okay, but imagine if that if those French had like a like if they like celebrated that or tried to like there, there's no reason. The Battle of the Plains of Abraham is something that takes place once a year. We're just like, all right, cool. Not that many people really take notice to it. You're like, okay, because they lost. They lost. They got obliterated. They got obliterated. That was a civil rights war that lasted all of like three hours. <laughs> you like imagine wanting to celebrate that? No, you don't want to. And the Confederate flag is like I said; it's basically it's basically racism on a flag. That's all it is. It offends people. And like NASCAR said, and NASCAR was a tough one to take because NASCAR is very popular in the South. It's very white predominant. So for NASCAR to take that kind of stance after Bubba Wallace, the only black driver said, look, man, like this irritates me and it probably irritates other people as well and it shouldn't exist. Shout out to them for taking the step and saying, yeah, you're right. Look, let's get rid of this. And if you don't want to watch NASCAR or you don't want to go to events because you can't bring your flag, you probably weren't a fan to start with. Or you don't have to. Or, you know, take your, take your money and go somewhere else if you want. That's fine. NASCAR will survive without you. It will. I don't know how, but it will. <laughs> I don't like NASCAR. I think it's boring, but people like it. That's fine. It's very Southern. All this to say that we as a society can change the way we think and better people's lives. And I find it just, I find it just ironic now, right? You see pictures of you know, police and protesters kneeling together and all that stuff. And I'm sitting there going, man, four years ago, Colin Kaepernick did it and people were just irate. They're irate. Now all of a sudden you see them doing it and it's okay. And I'm like, it boggles my mind because what's the change? 
it's nice to see the change. It's sad that it took somebody out. It took somebody dying for it to happen. There are still people dying. It's sad because Colin Kaepernick wanted to do it peacefully. Whether you agree with whether he can do it or not, there are people who say, yeah, well, you can't take that to your job and whatnot. Look, man, did you listen to why? That's it. If it offends you, then he kneels. Ask yourself why. Why is that offensive to you? Because it shouldn't be. And because it has nothing to do with the flag. Saying that he's not respecting the people who have given him the freedoms and whatnot. He can respect those people as much as he wants. It has nothing to do with the goddamn flag, by the way. Nothing. And it sucks that people think it does. Because honestly, if it was up to me, I would can the national anthem from all sporting events. I don't know anywhere else we sing the national anthem. The only place I can think of is in a gymnasium of your high school, maybe. (laughs) That's it. I don't know of any other place where you sing the national anthem. I don't know why they sing it before any type of sporting event, whether it's a hockey game, baseball game, football game. I don't know why. I don't know why. There's no point. Why are you singing the national anthem? In Canada, they sing the Canadian and the U.S. national anthem when there are a team, right, a U.S. team there. Why? Most of the players on those teams aren't even Canadian or American. What does it matter? The players who play for the team are not even, you know, the, 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 why? Fine, you want to sing the national anthem at the Olympics when your country wins because you're representing your country. Okay. You know, Canada wins the gold medal. You want to sing the Canadian national anthem. Fine, all the players are Canadian on that team. I don't understand, like, just, I don't understand what the national anthem is for, in this sense, at sporting events. Why is it there? What does it matter? If you want to sit, sit. Our ancestors who went to war to protect our rights, they didn't tell us how to use our rights. We can use them as we wish, within the confines of the law, right? That's what it is. And people get confused between rights and privileges, right? It's your God-given right to air. You get to breathe it. It's not your God-given right to go to the hairdresser and ask them, right? That's not it. People get confused. Privileges. That's what we have. A lot of us have privileges. If you want to walk around and be a racist, that's your privilege. It's not your right. It's your privilege. When you take those away, then you can't do it anymore. That's why we have laws. Laws are in place to take away privileges that we have. Not rights, privileges. When you break the law, then all of a sudden there are certain things you can no longer do. Right? We come down on you. We send you to prison. That's how this works. That's how society works. And for a lot of people saying, well, all they have to do is follow the rules. Man, that's even when they do follow the rules. Bad shit happens. Or even if you did break the rule, let's go down that thought for a minute, right? They say, well, you know, an African-American man or woman gets pulled over by a police officer and they don't want to show them ID and that just follow the rules. And let's say they don't. Let's say they break the rules. If a police officer pulls me over and I don't want to give him my ID, does that mean that I should die because of it? Like, I think the... The punishment doesn't really fit the crime here, does it? There's a lot of cases where small acts like that, like they get escalated real quick and then somebody ends up dead when that should have never happened. And do police officers have a lot of power? Yes, they do. And is their job tough? Absolutely. But they need to be as close to perfection as humanly possible. And if they can't, then that's not the job for them. Because there are some really bad police officers out there, and they ruin it for the rest of them. Are they all bad? No, of course not. Are there good police officers? Absolutely. There's lots of great ones. And this isn't a case of a few bad apples. No, 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 no. This isn't that. It's not, it's, well, it's just a couple of them. No, no, no. The couple spoil it for everybody, Okay. That makes them all look terrible. And then all police officers are at risk now. Even the good ones. 
Because if I told you, if I gave you a bag of Skittles, I said, hey, there's one Skittle in there, by the way, if you eat it, it kills you. I guarantee you, you throw the whole bag out. You don't even eat one. So if there's one police officer in a precinct who's, a, who's racist or who does things as he shouldn't, is it the problem of the whole precinct? Absolutely. Just like it was when you were in grade four and you couldn't go out for recess because little Jimmy here wouldn't shut his mouth and now the whole class has to stay inside for recess because Jimmy didn't want to shut it. Is Jimmy the only bad apple? Probably, but he spoiled it for everybody. But instead, what do we do? We looked at little Jimmy and said, Jimmy, shut your mouth, bro. I want to go outside and play soccer. But it's tough to do that in the real world in a precinct because you have that boys club mentality. And that, that A needs to change, right? Police officers need to feel comfortable coming out, spotting when, when they spot racism and end it. And you can call it snitching. Or you can call it whatever you want. If you're snitching on racism, that's fine. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Being a, there's nothing wrong with being a good person and calling out somebody else. Nothing wrong with it. And I think as a society, we can change this. I do. I really do think so. I think we got to try harder though. And we got to have rules and we got to have laws and we got to push people to the edge of their seats to get it done. And does that mean making some people uncomfortable? Yes. But like I said, me, if I don't want to hear me talking right now, I can just turn this off and move on. That's about it. All right, I saw people getting all offended. Play Call of Duty. Black Lives Matter shows up on the screen. People said, oh, man, look at that Call of Duty now getting all political. I don't want that. I come here to take a break. I don't want this in my face. I'm saying, wow, man, you have a place to go to take a break from shit you don't want in your life. But there are other people who can't. That's privilege. So bombard as many places as you want with it. At one point, people are going to get so sick and tired of seeing it. They're going to sit down and say, fine, we'll do something. That's what you got to do with some people, right? Some people don't want to learn until you literally burn them out. I got two cats. One of them will meow for like hours if I don't feed him at 7. If it's 7.05, boy, am I going to start hearing it. Sometimes he starts early, 6.30, letting me know that he's hungry. If I don't feed him, he's going to start knocking shit off counters and stuff and just being unbearable. I can let him go for an hour and a half. And at one point, I was like, okay, fine. Here's your food. Shut up. He knows it works. And that's what we have to do with some humans. Bombard them until they say, fine, I'll sit here and I'll change. Or at least I'll do something that pretends that I'm changing. Or maybe I will. Or maybe I'll listen. Push people to the point of being uncomfortable. Because you do not evolve and you do not adapt when you're comfortable. You adapt when you're uncomfortable. Take yourself out of your comfort zone. Put yourself in a situation you don't like. See how that makes you feel. And then try to be better. Adapt from there. That's what we have to do as a society. Because this is not just, it's not just for you. We all have an African-American friend. We all love that person as much. Better their lives. Why wouldn't you want to better somebody's life close to you? Why? why? Why wouldn't you want to do that? Imagine looking at your friend who's an African-American, boy or girl, looking at them and saying, man, I'm not going to say shit because I need to stick to sports or stick to what I do or because I'm tired of seeing it. Imagine having that conversation with them right in front of them. Man, that'd be a tough one, wouldn't it? Because you would want to help your friends as much as possible. Well, you all know somebody, so help do it for them. Better yourself so you can help better them. Let's change the way we do things, including in sports. Of course, there's racism in sports. And if your government or you know somebody says, nah, there's no racism here. No, no, no. Our city is good. Premier Quebec was like, nah, Quebec doesn't have a systematic racism problem. And I'm like, of course they do. What are you talking about? Quebec gets a double whammy. I'm pretty sure racism in Quebec is, a, is higher than anywhere else it is in Canada. And B, if you speak English in Quebec, that's a, that's a bonus. That's a bonus to racism. How many times do you think I've gotten that conversation telling me to, you know, go back to Ontario even though I'm born here? Or how many times have I had an employer tell me that I have to speak French here because that's the official language? 
There are stickers that businesses put on their door that says, Ici, on commence en français. Here we start in French. Just imagine that. Think about that for a second. There are laws in Quebec that prevent stop signs from saying stop, that force businesses to have predominantly French you know, logos instead of English. And I know people who say, well, it's to protect the language, it's to protect this, and, it's, and it's, that, that's fine. That's fine. But that causes a whole set of problems to people who, predominant, who speak English. I speak English every day, except for where I work, which I speak French there. But I always tell people who are offended by me who's you know, speaking English and whatnot, I say, man, you're just, you're just angry that I can insult you in two languages. That's it. And you'll only understand one. That's, that's what it is. I've had people at places that I work make complaints that they don't like that I'm talking to another one of my coworkers in English because that person didn't understand. And I'm saying, man, that sucks. You're that uncomfortable with yourself that you assume that because I'm speaking a different language than you that I'm insulting you? Come on, man. I get where the, that's why I, I understand a little bit, just a little bit, where African Americans are coming from. To be hated on by something that you cannot control. My first language is English. I can't control that. I can't. I'm not going to force myself to speak French when I don't have to because I'm comfortable when I speak English, man. That's it. There are a lot of people like that. Can I do both? Absolutely. I'll switch back and forth, man. Oh. They call it Franglish. Half of it is in French. Half of it's in English. And on top of it, Quebec French is not sexy either, man. That language is broken AF. It's not like France French where it's proper and it's elegant and every word is actually in French. In Quebec, most of those words are English. French, they call it an anglicisme, when they use a word that is English in a French sentence and just add a French accent to it. Like, puck is English. When they say, pas moi puck, the correct term is rondelle, by the way. But yes, let's preserve your French language. I am all for it. I am all for inclusion of people. Are the laws tough sometimes? Fine. But make it make it as though, especially when it comes to language, make it as though, like try to include people. Don't force shit down their throat because I tell you what, that's how you get people to do the exact opposite of what you're trying to do. Forcing it down their throat. That's not how it works, man. Be encouraging. Which is the same thing, by the way, with the movement for African Americans. There are some people who don't want it. Don't shove it down their throat. But give them a place where they can come and learn. Invite them to learn. Give them a reason to want to be better. Treat it like a black church, man. Holy shit. You ever been to one? It's a goddamn party. It's a party. I would go to that. If I went to church, I would go to that. It's a party. They're singing. Everybody's having a good time. Make it inviting. Change this. Help the people who do want to change. And you know what? All this looting and stuff, does it affect some people, you know, business owners who can't restart and what? Yes, it does. And it sucks. And even those, there are business owners who said, man, I get it. Or you know what? It's stuff. We can replace this stuff. And it's true. You can replace stuff. You cannot replace lives. Remember that. Because I see a lot of people saying, I support the protest, but I don't support the looting. Change that sentence around, though. I saw that somewhere, and it made me realize, yeah, you're right. Say it the other way. I don't support the looting, but I do support the movement. And I do. I want to make it better. Whatever I can do to help, I'll do it. I want to better myself because I have African-American friends. And I want them to live in a world where, you know, maybe they get to the border with their passport that's expired. And the border agent lets them through. So we can be better. We have to want to do it. But if we challenge ourselves and we put ourselves in an uncomfortable spot to grow, we can do it. So go out, learn something new, understand how to better yourself. You got all the time in the world, by the way, right? 
Countries are slowly opening up, but you still got time to do shit. So do it. And maybe one day we can just, you know, we'll look back at this racism and be like, man, what the fuck? As we should kind of look back at it and be like, man, I can't believe we did that. Kind of like, like imagine, right? Back then, apparently, you used to be able to smoke in a school. Teachers would smoke at the desk with their kids. Now, think about that. You'd be like, what? What do you mean? You can't. They used to do that? What? Exactly. Maybe one day we'll look back at racism like that and be like, what? You used to fire somebody because he was black? Come on. We can do this if we work together, okay? African-American people, white people, whatever your nationality is, we all got to work together. This isn't just a black issue. That's not it. It's a world issue. All of us. We work at it. We can change it. If you're still listening to this, thank you. If you don't know where to find the podcast, you can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Podbean. You can find it on Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on YouTube as well. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Slapshot Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at FuzzyChris91. Don't forget to subscribe, rate to the podcast. That really helps. Thank you a lot. And yeah, that's, that's what I had to say today. So again, thank you for sticking around. I love you all. Continue to improve yourself. Continue to social distance yourself. And we will talk again very, very soon. Cheers.